Welcome to B2B Weekly. Every Wednesday, Marty Sanchez and I, Nemanja Živković, will be your host in a weekly Q&A where we talk all B2B related things. From sales, demand generation, social media, personal branding, lead generation, we focus on real examples, on real case studies, and we share things we only share with our team. So you get to see the way we grow our companies, the way we do marketing for our clients, you get to see everything. And not only that, you get a chance to jump on the call with us, ask questions live and share your perspective on the topic. If you are an executive, marketeer or salesperson, this is for you. Welcome to the B2B Weekly. Ah, a bit tired, but okay. Tired because there is a lot of work going on, but it's it's a good thing. So. Right. <laughs> That's what's always been interesting. Like the, the more tired we are, the better, because it also means like that means that there's work to do. But at the same time, it's like Jesus Christ! Like can connect, breathe a little bit. Yeah, I mean here is like really crazy because of COVID and and those things. But yeah. uh, I think from today we need to wear like masks outside. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're wearing masks as well. Yeah, I mean, we are, but not really all the time outside. Mandatory and all that? Yeah. Yeah, basically the the government <laughs> fucked us because they were lying about the numbers and they organized the election. They let the um, football games be played oh. and all kinds of things. And now there were demonstrations for for two, three, three, four days. Wow. So people got really pissed. So probably uh, a large uh, number of them also now got COVID. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, crazy times. Yeah, it's like when it, when it was in the States and like they put everybody in quarantine for like three months, right? Or whatever it was. Um, and then the Black Lives Matter movement started happening and people were protesting and rioting. And it's like, I totally get why you're protesting and like uh, sometimes protesting goes over like health, but like that kind of messes up everything that we've been trying to do for the last three months or four, which is fine on, on, on that side. Like I'm not saying they should not have protested, but it, it's definitely like, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the that's the moment when people get in the mood like it's about time we fuck this motherfucker. Like, you yeah. know, he was lying for us for like we will we were quarantined and we remained uh, inside. Yeah. We listened to everything, and then like I mean, the the second wave, let's call it like that, started. Yeah. When, uh, they got gathered around 200 people in Belgrade to celebrate the win on the elections. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, eight out of 10 of the main politicians of the leading party yeah. got, uh, got COVID. Wow. For real? And, and in three days, they're all healthy. We can continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, it just, it's just insane, dude. Like the last four or five months have been so surreal. Like sometimes 
now it's kind of become like the normal thing. But like, if you ever stop and think about it, like how the world has changed, it just kind of blows your mind. Right? Like the literally the life across the world has changed 180 degrees from from what we were doing in January or February. Yeah, I mean, clients are still calling me like, man, we want to come to your office or you can come to our office. Right. It's good that I'm telling them, okay, you are probably in Belgrade. I'm not in Belgrade. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this is something that we can do online over the over the call, video call, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, it's just a waste of waste of money and time if we don't know are we gonna are we a good fit or not. Exactly. I, I was talking today in the podcast with um, a business owner that his company is like one of the main companies in helping Americans go to Italy and France and do like tours. So tour guides, like they were one of the first few companies that instead of like uh, you're getting paid cash in front of like the Coliseum, for example, you could book the, flat, the tour online and do e-commerce and all that. And like for, the, for them, it has obviously blown up the business. Like he was telling me about how from March of this year to March of 2021, they expect to generate barely zero dollars in revenue. You know, and I'm like how, how crazy it is that he was, he was telling me that they hired 15 people in December because oh. they were expecting to double the growth yeah, in 2020, right? And like they needed to like build the processes and systems before the customers came. So they were paying them to, to be ready for doubling the growth. The company is like 20 people and then they hire like this 15 more. Um, and then this should happen. So we're like, we not only just had increased our overhead by like 100%, but now we get zero revenue for 12 months. Yeah, uh, yeah, so it's gonna be tough for them to to recover. But things, yeah. I talked about yesterday. I talked yesterday with a with a guy also in tourism because I'm I'm organizing the like the kayaking small mm-hmm. small tour here in Ovisad, and yeah. he's the guy who's renting the kayaks and yeah, and yeah. organizing everything. And I mean, it's it's bad. I mean, it, it even like now he he told me that. Uh, it's like funny because he is working in tourism and he is encouraging people to not go anywhere. Right. Even yeah. uh, if they feel like they have to, then like uh, not to book anything, just uh, to cross the border and then to call him to book them uh, some suites, apartments or whatever, like crazy. Uh, it's just tough. It's tough. What we have seen in Spain, because Spanish people love to like go out to eat and, and drink and all that. So what we've seen is that people, instead of like traveling to other countries, they're traveling inside the country much more. Yeah, yeah, same here. So, so people are, are still spending and consuming. They're just doing it internally. And like in my city, which in the summer, like it's super crazy. We have a lot of tourists. And it's always packed. It's like on a beach town, 30 minutes south of Barcelona. Um, like the other day we went out and it's still packed. It's just people from here. Like for the first time, instead of us going to like London or whatever, 
and then Londoners coming here. It's just people from here consuming here. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with that is that a lot of these people, they're now in, I think it's called furlough, when like the government pays you like 70% of, of your salary. Um, and I don't know how long that will be able to last. Like so, some of my friends are making more money now than when they're working. Yeah, here, here we have like uh, government was, uh, was giving away some like three months, and yeah. uh, but they but the employers who accepted um, need to keep the people uh, employed for like I don't know six months overall. Yeah. Yeah. So in September, October, I expect a total collapse of everything. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking as well. Because the, the problem with these people is like, I was telling them the other day, like right now is not the time to like spend the money. Like you need to save up a little bit because like you're going to get fired in like November, December, just so you know. Like a, a lot of you guys are going to. Um, and, and you guys are spending here freely when like the situation's not, financially we're not at rock bottom. We're going to be. But, but we're not there yet. Um, but people in Spain don't have that mindset of like, hey, let me start a business or hey, let me. People save don't have money. mindset anyway. Maybe in maybe in US, I don't know about the East, but uh, but yeah, basically people don't have that mindset. I, I was just reading the article from a client to be, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, he was doing an interview for the for the um, state media, yeah. And one thing he he says is like uh, economy is suffering because people are buying only what they need, right? And it's so true. Yeah, yeah. But but at the end of the day, I think that's probably still better than buying more than you need right now. And and then in three months, the government's like, we don't have any more money, and then the job fires you. The, the only good thing about Spain is that people have a very strong family connection. So they always are able to rely on like their parents or grandparents or uh, something in the family for food and shelter yeah. and a place to stay. O otherwise, our country would be so fucked that we we're always can come back home. I mean, I still bought Dark Knight Batman today, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm buying what I don't need. Yeah, I bought, I bought some stuff from uh, Fashion Nova, the company that Instagram influencers uh, promote. Uh, they've done great marketing, honestly. I, I was trying to like buy some clothes and I was like, the only place I know, like, it, was, it was not like general clothes, like a very specific thing. Mm. And, and it was interesting because they were really top of mind in terms of like that young, hip um, culture, all from Instagram shoutouts and all that stuff. They have, they have built great Instagram influencer network over there. Mm -hmm. yeah, they, they've killed it on the, on the D2C space. Sometimes it's interesting to see what D2C companies are doing. It seems like there's better marketing in D2C than B2B. Have you, have you ever thought like that as well? Yeah, they, uh, they are more free to do some things. And I think that's where the creativity uh, sparks, you know? Right, but, but what are B2B marketers afraid of? Because I, I think, like, I understand these larger, larger companies with, like, a lot of investors and all that. 
like if you're on an agency that's bootstrapped and it's your money and like you you're free to like do marketing the way you see fit you know you know what i mean like i, I don't know why we're all afraid in, in b2b of, of marketing look i think they are all going uh most of the, the marketers in b2b and even the owners whatever it is they're uh, choosing the easy the easy road and right. uh, like outbound is the, the easy road right because you are going generic you're not building relationships you're not going uh to personalize contacts and you're going generic and it's easy you just send an outreach mail and you wait Right. Uh, and so a lot of them don't actually know uh, details about their customers. They d don't know their, who their ideal buyers are. I mean, even if they do, they don't know specifics. They don't know if, uh, if, those be if they are targeting like the, the CEO who is decision maker or they are targeting people who are uh, influencing decision makers. Right. Or I don't know. There is a there is a case in which they can target somebody who is buying their um, their product as a gift. Right. There right. there are many variables of that, and uh, I mean everything is out there. You just need to go search or or just go ahead with different kind of content to see who is reacting if you don't know it. Right. And you will see who uh, fits in the in the whole in the whole metric that you have, and um, that's one thing. Other thing is that uh, they don't talk directly with uh, with people. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, they do, but there's a, the whole this mystery still still present. Like in uh, B2C is like. People, people are reacting. You are, you are uh, selling directly to that person who is reacting to your post. And in uh, in B two B is a bit, it's a bit different. Yeah, I, I think there's there's also a lack of overall creativity. And I don't know if it's because it's free. I don't know if it's because the best marketers go to D two C instead. Uh, but but it, it does seem like there's more talent in D two C. In my experience, from what I've said, uh, definitely, definitely, because uh, B2B didn't attract talented and creative people because they were so st stiff and they were focused only on uh, promoting their own products, own services. And you know, when you are just talking about yourself, there isn't much space for, for creativity. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I've seen is that. If you're a decent marketer in B2B, you're probably better than like 95% of marketing people in B2B. Like the, the top guys, you know, like things, people that I enjoy consuming the content, like Chris Walker, these guys, like they're not doing anything out of this world. Like the production value is not crazy. Obviously the content is good, but like it's not something that you've never seen before. You know, put out great content, distribute it right, generate demand obviously there's there's a lot of nuance there but um but it's not like they're doing these marketing campaigns that are like uh, crazily creative or or something that you've never seen before uh so like the, the minimum bar i think is pretty low right if you, if you know how to create good content 
understand basics of uh, paid ads and, and know a little bit about the technical side of like Google campaigns and all that, like you're top 3% out there. Um, so, so to me, there's a lack of B2B talent in, in marketing, in the marketing yeah. space. Yeah, I mean, I just, um, I just commented on Chris Walker's post like an hour ago, uh, telling him that all that we are saying focused on consumers don't go super nerdy AI, whatever. Yeah, um, those are those are basic things. Right. And and uh, I had this problem when I was creating posts uh, because. I thought it's basic, like everybody knows it, you yeah. know? And I was always trying to get a step up. And uh, while I was on vacation, I figured out that I'm missing a lot of people in between. Right. You know, because what's basic for me, it's not basic for, for everybody else. And so I went uh, in depth on some of those basic things, like, what's inbound, uh, importance of brand authenticity, brand fame for, for demand generation, those kind of things. And in a week, I got like six SQLs reaching out to me. Right. Calling me on the phone, sending me messages on, on LinkedIn, uh, writing me directly in comments that uh, send them the link to schedule a call or schedule a call directly, mm -hmm. directly on the website. Yeah. All of them SQLs, all of them with uh, with big deals on the table, and all of them not going uh, to do a research about you know choosing between me and three other guys, just going directly directly to me. Right. And it's just content, as you said. Yeah. 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 So, so I do think, like I said, the bar is very low. If if you do the basics right, you're doing much better than ninety five percent of the companies out there. Um, and regarding the, the fear, like I said, if there's a lot of stakeholders involved, right? like if you're a Fortune 500 company, like we work with a Fortune 500 company in, in the States in FinTech and financial technology has a lot of regulations. Um, they're a big company with a lot of stakeholders. Like they have investors, a lot of executives, a big board of directors. So I get that it's hard for a company like that to make a decisive campaign and like lean to one side or the other i think it's i still think it's important but i get it's just like it's a slow moving process but for these smaller agencies that are like between 15 and 100 employees that it's bootstrapped and you own 100 the ceo owns 100 percent, they have much larger space to do creative space creative things in the marketing side of things for themselves Mm -hmm. uh, like, so, so their content, their personal brand, all can can make more decisive direction towards one way or the other. Um, so I, I do think there, there's a big room for us as, as agency owners to improve. Um, that that kind of relates to something that uh, I've been like we're going to start putting out next week with with a different type of content for us ourselves. But but I definitely think there's there's room for us to to create better marketing in B2B. Yeah. Mm. Let's get to, to to that to that comment. 
uh, about thought leadership. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you, do you remember? That's an interesting. Or? That's an interesting topic. Yeah. Can, can you remember? I, I I remember mostly, but can you remind me of like the context? Yeah, basically, basically it was a, a post uh, about what can you do uh, to create thought leadership content. Right. And uh, my comment was that uh, it's all good, but uh, not everybody is a thought leader and thought leadership content is not for everybody. Okay. So, so give me your two cents on that. Give, give me... The, the let me let me that. let me share you uh, share with you something that I just saw uh, today. Seems like I've been talking about thought leadership, so things are coming to me. Yeah. Uh, ah, you need to allow me to share you. Yeah. Give me a second. Yeah. All right, you should be able to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one was done by uh, um, an interesting content by Survey Monkey. Yeah, th that picture over there this is one? the most used picture I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody uses that picture. <laughs> uh, okay, this is the thing. Uh, I wanted to get into. So who counts as a thought leader? They did a survey, um, a reliable number of, uh, of people responded and they said 68% said that uh, thought leader is an expert in the field, 34% says it's an SEO, 32% said it's an analyst, 32% uh, said authors, 28% public speakers and 20% public figure or celebrity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it uh, kind of uh, goes with, with how I'm seeing it. Uh, because everybody can post thought uh, leadership content, but not everybody knows what uh, he or she are posting about. Uh, not that many people know how to implement on those things, how to actually perform. And that's where we are losing um, uh, trust between, between the companies and the agency, between us marketers and between companies that are hiring us. Because there are so many people who are now just copying other people's content uh, just reading articles and posting those kind of things, but have never get deep into implementing those things. Never get into performing. And when you perform, when you know how things are going, you can actually predict it and you can create the content on your own because you have been in the dirt, you have seen it in practice. And this is when you can call yourself an expert. Uh, as a CEO, you're not necessarily an expert. Also, as an analyst, you can see the data, but you are not an expert to how to read the data and implement it. As an author, I mean, you can write about it. Public speakers also can present results of the other and can compose it in a beautiful story. And public figure celebrities, basically those are the people who 
are known for something. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I see it. It's just charismatic or whatever it is. Basically, that's how it is. I don't want to go deeper because it has engagement, all kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's better if we if we talk about it. But just wanted to to share on on this specific point. Yeah. Um, before before we keep going, do you mind sending the link on the chat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Let me do it. So just so I get what you mean and, and to ask a few questions on that. So for you to create thought leadership content, you have to be a thought leader. To be a thought leader, you have to be an expert in your field. And to be an expert in your field, you need to be able to like implement and deliver what you say you would, what you talk about. Is that, is that more or less the, the scheme? Yeah, yeah, more or less, yeah. Um, my question here is like, who decides that? Like who decides if you're actually an expert? Like what, like it's really, I don't think there's a clear definition of what an expert is. Like I don't feel like an expert myself. Yeah, expert is, a, is, a, is an ugly noun, so <laughs> yeah. I, I always say the goal is not to be a thought leader. Like I, I don't think the goal should be to be a thought leader. I, I don't think thought leader is something that you should aspire to. Yeah. I also don't think thought leader is something that they can give you. I, like, I don't think there's a label or, or like a milestone that you're like, from up here, you're a thought leader or you're an expert in your field. Below, you're not. I also don't think content needs to be limited to who's an expert or, and who is not. When I started creating content online, I was 19, 20, writing on Quora, talking about everything, failures that I was doing in marketing. Like I started a basketball gear, e-commerce, fucking fail. I started selling soccer jerseys. That did pretty well, but I got a letter from a lawyer saying that uh, the, the jerseys were fake, which they were. Um, like what else I was doing? I was doing a bunch of shit. I was buying things on Amazon, selling them on e eBay, and everything was failing. And I was writing about it, and, and that was the start of like a, a lot of things that came in later. Like I, I would not be able to be running an agency if I was not creating content online. If we only limit content to thought leaders, we we miss the documentation of the process. We we miss everybody that's before that's trying to get to be an expert in your field and they're creating content to use that as a stepping stone up. Uh, again, I personally don't feel like I'm an expert. I think that I know a few things, but if we are only limit content to the people who think they're an expert, we're only going to hear from white guys in their tw that are 25 year olds because women are probably not going to want to create content because they don't usually feel as an expert, besides they usually are, a lot of um, minorities don't usually have that confidence given all their lives that they're an expert and that they're good and that they should be talking, right? So I think there, there should never be a limit or uh, walls on who we allow to create content or who we call a thought leader or who we, who we don't. 
I think the market decides if your content's good enough. I think the market decides if you have the credibility to back that up. Um, but but thought leadership content or content as a as a whole should be open to everybody, uh, and I think that that's where I was like deferring a little bit from you because I understand that we don't want like Ty Lopez yeah. to. to yeah, to... I I totally agree with you, but I don't think what you're saying is is the thing. It's sharing your story. Right. We are calling we are calling everything now thought leadership. But what I want to say is not that it's not limiting content. What I want to say is that people who aren't actually in the trenches, aren't actually doing the work, they're just creating the content out of nothing. You are trying to, to build one business, you are trying to do another one, you're sharing your experience. That's great. But there are people who are not doing anything and it's the majority of them. And they are trying to, to sell you a story on that. And then you see, you see some things if you have been through that road, you are seeing something that are missing. You are seeing that they are just using words from another person. You are seeing that they cannot do it. I mean, um, look, there is an example here. I've been approached by, by six companies in the last six or seven days. And um, so they know me just from LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. They have seen my profile sometimes and I'm not cheap. Right. So my services are not cheap for this market. And so uh, when, I, when I send them an offer, uh, I have only one, one chance and one way to convince them that I know what I'm talking about. Right. Besides actually talking with them. Yeah. It's uh, how do I can see the implementation. So I'm sharing a video when I'm, when I'm drawing actually how, what will happen. Right. How I see the domain generation, how I see which pieces of content fit where, how do I see the, the, the whole funnel, the strategy being implemented, you know, and it's short in it's, uh, it's specific, it's precise, and it shows them that I know what I'm talking about. Right. And this is, this is where, where, the, where the gap is, is happening. I mean, everybody can share content. Everybody should share content. But uh, to be able to differentiate who's actually be, uh, is able to perform and implement it and not is still the gap. And I'm trying. I mean, the, uh, one thing that funky marketing is all about, it's call out all the bullshit and yeah. things that are not ethical. So I'm always getting into, into that point. I mean, we can always say, uh, while we, until we have boobs, like shit will, will suffer, you know? And that's not it. Let's try to, to help people uh, if we can. No, I, I agree with that. Like, I always say, like, we don't want people that are fake and we don't want um, people talking about shit that they don't know about. Um, but, but I do think there's a certain degree that you can allow people to explore. Like sometimes I talk about th things that I don't know and that I'm trying to go for and, and I'm thinking out loud, like I'm thinking in public, right? And I, I always clarify. This is, one, this is one thing that's uh, probably the best thing for growth. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and I'm like asking for feedback, and I I always because I, I want to be radically honest and transparent with my company with my content. I say it right, like I, I don't know about this, and I have more questions than answers. Um, like I remember a post I wrote about how to use the personal brand of their employees in a, in big companies versus the personal brand of their CEO, right? And I said that I think I'm sure at LinkedIn, but today I have more questions than answers. And I'm letting you guys explore that. Uh, so I do think you can push a little bit your content on what you know. I've not implemented a hundred people uh, company LinkedIn operation across every all employees, uh, but I do think that that's something that I want to do and that I can do. And so I wrote about it. Uh, so I do think there's a freedom a little bit on on how you can expand, as long as you can always back it up in some sort of way. I remember I watched an interview, like I always relate stuff to other things, but like I watched an interview of Eminem, the rapper, talking about how he creates his songs, right? Like the stories behind his songs. And he says, he, they're all based in some sort of truth. You can just like amplify it a little bit, mm-hmm. to make it more dramatic. So I, I do think the content has a, a leeway, but obviously, yeah, like I think it'd be dumb to think that people who have no idea should be creating so leadership um, Yeah, just just don't pretend that you know something that you don't. It's okay that you uh, assume about things, ask questions. They, I mean, that's how you grow. Mm-hmm. You know, you think in public. You, you don't say like, I know these things, this is how it goes, if you don't. But right. you say, I think that things are going this way. Yeah, or, I think that this could be a good strategy or... Uh, yeah. I'd be interested in trying this this new thing with this type of company. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think obviously at the end of the day, the market kind of like def- decides who you are, right? Like if, if the market thinks that you're bullshitting, then they're not going to fuck with you. If the market thinks that you have shown proof that you can back things up, um, that they're going to allow you to support. Uh, but, but yeah. This is, this is an interesting topic. I, I don't think there's a clear answer. For, for me, it was very clear that everybody should be creating content in some sort of way, but that content should be specific. And what makes a thought leadership content versus what doesn't, it's a very fine line. Right? Because thought leadership content can be very personal as well. Uh, and also one thing that, uh, that you were also talking about that can reference to something that I was writing about this week is like brand fame. If you want to be like everybody else and not being authentic, yeah. then you can go and write what everybody else are writing for the same topics. And usually that's how it happens in, in thought leadership. You know, people are talking about the same the same things. But if you want to actually build a brand, be authentic, like you're doing that with comparison to sports, to basketball, giving some personal stuff in it, I'm doing it in a different way. Uh, a lot of other people are doing in, I, I saw, uh, I don't know, she, let's say a lady who is uh, obviously new to, to LinkedIn, but she's a, an executive in a company and she has a family. So she gives great examples of uh, like right. how business things are shown in a, in a relationship uh, inside the family. So, right. Those are those are specific things that can uh, help you be uh, 
different from everybody else. And when you are different, when you are changing narrative, changing the perspective, that's when people uh, are seeing you uh, as a leader and as somebody who is teaching them something. Yeah, I call that pushing the conversation forward. I think, and I hate the word thought leader, but if I had to define what a thought leader does, is somebody who pushes the conversation forward in a certain industry or topic. But I, I think when, going back to Chris Walker, I think he pushed the conversation forward on, on B2B demand generation. Uh, like, I think he was one of the guys who did things a bit differently and proposed a few different ideas that moved us all in a direction, right? Like, if you can move the back, then you're a thought leader or just a leader overall. Like if, if the content's a window, right? like the, the topic is a window and you can move the window up and we're all moving up, then you're changing the conversation, you're pushing it forward. And that's what we should all, we should all aspire to. Some of us are not there yet. Like I don't think I'm somebody who can push the conversation forward in, in the B2B demand generation. I think I can push it a little bit in personal branding for CEOs. So sometimes to push the conversation forward, that might be a different topic. You have to need to down a little bit. Because it's very hard to be the B2B salesperson that is a thought leader over everybody else. But it's easier to be the B2B salesperson for this type of organization at this size yeah. that, that helps them better. You know, so I think it's the best way to like kind of become a thought leader. Yeah, and it's, and it's more clever and it's achievable. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get there easily. Not, not easily, but easier than going for like, I want to be the guy known in sales. Right? Like we have a client who, his company does mobile game, um, an agency in, in, in Miami. And it's very easy, it's very hard for him to be the guy in marketing, but it's easier to be the guy in like mobile, mar mobile gaming marketing. So like, I, I think when you niche down a little bit, that's when like good things start to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm seeing. That's what you are seeing. Going sure. after after personal branding for CEOs. I'm going after after B2B, but I don't know. I'm still in between few niches. In still mm -hmm. going up and down. I mean, now I'm moving into fintech. I didn't right. expect it, but it happened. So, yeah, sometimes it, it the river leads you to places you didn't expect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's like. It's a whole entrepreneurship is a whole bumpy road. Like it's like playing playing a game again, and yeah. and that's what I like it. I mean, I wrote you on Twitter like it uh, Friday afternoon, Friday night actually. I we got done by a client. Yeah, just just like that. We didn't have any conversation, anything. They say just we we are moving in house. We are hiring. They hire actually. Uh, prior to that, uh, head of marketing, yeah, and basically she wants her own team, mm -hmm. and and that's it. I mean, it's okay; those kind of things happen. Yeah. Um, and but in the next like five days, I got six SQLs knocking right. on my door. You know, so that's kind of how how it happens. That that's the life, and you you need to to learn to love the changes. Yeah, 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 and this is what we've been talking about. Like being running a B two B company is 
it's not easy at all. And there's going to be a lot of like, there's a lot of highs and lows. I, I was talking in this in the podcast and, and it's hard to be, if the, you let the highs bring you up, then the lows are really hard. You know, that, that's what happened to me at the beginning. Like I remember when I signed my first client, it, it looked like I won the, the champion trick. Like it looked like I scored minute 93 against Atletico de Madrid, a header to go over time. Like I was, I started crying. I remember my ex-girlfriend was in the room and I started crying. Uh, two, year, two years, three years, four years later, like you cannot let the highs take you so up because then the lows come and the lows always come. And they take you so fucking hard. The lows are even tougher than the highs. Yeah. Um, is, was this the this SQLs and how uh, the content's been driving the update that you wanted to share? Because um, we talked on Twitter that, that there was mm-hmm. an update. Yeah, yeah, because uh, what I saw as, as that change happened that I mentioned uh, yeah. before, in the way that I'm uh, creating content and how am I uh, sending the message. Yeah. I changed it and it still goes up. I mean, I went from, uh, let me tell you, 1,200 uh, views on LinkedIn mm-hmm. up to uh, 2,200 something in like five days. Wow. Yeah, That's yeah. how it went and it's still still going up. Yeah, yeah. And uh what's more interesting to that people it, it happens that shift that we talked about, like when people start to see you as a as a leader and as somebody who is teaching them something. You know, people started to to share content, to recommend other people. What what I got from from those SQLs, one was saying that they saw uh, they saw my content on Twitter. They weren't sure if we are actually connected on LinkedIn. Right, we are, but I have no idea who the guy is. I I didn't know at the time. Yeah. Uh, and another one was somebody who is following me for a long time uh, and just waiting for a chance to to uh, to work on something. Yeah. Uh, the third one was uh, a referral from uh, from my uh, client at the time. Yeah. So it kind of kind of grew from all different perspectives, but from from the the same point. Somebody saw my content on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. It's what I was saying on that on that tweet the other day. Like, it's that's probably one of the things that for us we're the most proud of being able to um, showcase that we are based case study and that we walk the talk a hundred percent. That we're doing what. Because I hate when agencies like we are the best at paid marketing, and then they're sending you a cold email. Like what? Like you're the best at paid marketing, and to close clients, you're sending me a cold email. Or when they say uh, we're the best at content, and then they're doing like paid marketing, they're sending you emails as well. Or or they're not getting clients. Like if you're the best at something, you should be able to use that or, or do what you say because it's the best proof. When I get on a client, on a, on a discovery call with a client that has found me through LinkedIn, and we're talking about LinkedIn services, and he asked me, does this work? If it didn't work, you would not be here. You're, you're the living proof that this works. And that's the best. I'm the worst salesman in the world. Like, I'm a terrible salesman. But I can say that. Like, I can say, I can say, I mean, you're here, aren't you? And that works. So for us, it's been, it's been great. 
because uh, because these things like r really give you credibility, uh, and, and that's something that we're thinking about putting more on the website as well. Like it, we're basing our whole brand around around that idea. Uh, but, but but back to your point about the, the six the SQLs and the increasing views. Something we've seen for ourselves for our clients is that content and and revenue growth as an agency. It happens often very like, I don't know how to say it in English, but like it goes real quick, then it stops, then it starts again, then it stops. Like a car that, yeah. that doesn't really know how to work. So you get like two weeks that you're closing like four or five clients, then you get three weeks, nothing, then two weeks closing. Like for, so it's important to like not get nervous when, when nothing's closing. Because you know that a good time is coming soon, just as to wait it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I had that patience when I, when I started the company, and yep. and I have it, I have it, I have it also now. You know what's good? Well, it's good that this content that is attracting clients is also uh, bringing in people who wants to work with me and Funky Marketing. Right. Like you're getting two for one. But people who are like. I don't want to work for any agency or other bullshit company. I want to work with somebody who is passionate towards what he's doing. Uh, they've been following me for a while. They know my vision. They know how I operate. They know how do I comment everything. Right. Basically, just like somebody who is the SQL is coming to you. Basically, they, they're coming. Okay, we are here. Let us in. Right. But, but that's such important for recruiting. Like... Um, it's not easy to find talent that understands what we're trying to do. And, and your content, your personal brand is also so important to attract the, the right individuals. Uh, and solving as big as a problem as revenue. Like sometimes finding the right team is even more important than closing a few clients. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have seen, uh, I've been following for a while, like, there are a few companies that are doing great on LinkedIn. Besides Drip, Drip is like, they were the first one. G2 and uh, Grivy also. Uh, I looked, uh, I checked them out today. Like what all of them are doing. Their employees are active, proactive. They are liking, they are commenting, they are sharing posts with their personal um perspectives they are getting into hard conversations and when you look at it it seems easy right but it's the hardest thing to do it's uh, finding the right people and giving them freedom to do the things that they are the best at yeah there's a company uh, i we interviewed them for the podcast i remember how to call it. i think it's called fishnet media they produce b2b podcast as well and they're a smaller version of that. There are four or five people. Mm -hmm. uh, feel free to listen to the episode. I, I think, remember, I think his CEO's name, Michael, but don't call me on that. Um, and they have structured a system where they help the employees create content. So um, basically what they're doing for the clients, they kind of do it for themselves. And they, they pick like four or five people in the team and doing that. I, I think that's special. I think they're, that's the way to go eventually. Making it very easy for your team to to create content, and then making it very easy for each member of the team to engage with each other. Uh, like mm. there's a couple of options to do it. Uh, I've seen a few pe people do it well. Um, 
but that's like a small engagement group. Uh, like that's like having like six, seven people who always come in, who drive their network. Um, I, I think that's a way that companies should do it. it. It's easier at that scale of like five to six people. Like when you're increasing, that that also makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's uh, so important to look at that and to know uh, who are you hiring and why are you hiring those people. Right. Uh, I see uh, mistakes people make. Also, my agency that I work for made also those kind of mistakes. It's that uh, hiring people to do specific jobs, like developer is somebody who's gonna put the headphones on and just do his thing. Yeah. Like uh, copywriters, they're all kind of them. Some are just want to put also the headphones and dive into what they're doing. Others are more into chatting conversation and some of them are active, some of them are not. But before you hire somebody, this person has to be active on social media if you want them to be active in the team too. If they are not active and you are trying to make them active while they are in the company, it won't happen. Yeah, it's gonna be really hard. I, I think, like you said, that, that's a very good point. They, they need to come with the mindset of this is important and then you introduce the systems to help it, to make it easy. But they need to know, like they need to be sold on that before they, they exactly. enter your, your play. Exactly. Um, we, we, tried, we tried all kinds of things. We um, gave them bonuses. Basically, those were the bonuses that, that me and the CEO earned. But we, we, we gave to all of them just to make them you know, more active. Yeah. Uh, all the team members had like um, uh, what is it called? My mind is not working. When you sell sell somebody from the company and you get the percent a commission, commission. Yeah. So, For the I don't know uh, online events that they are doing uh, that we were doing also for selling some of our services. Yeah. I mean, this is some something that was in my contract. Like every every client that I get from the company, I get twenty percent uh, all the time while the client is with us. Right. And those are all kind of things that were with them. But let's look at the situ the real situation. Like uh, a developer won't share it, so he won't be interested in the commission because he knows that he's not sharing. Uh, outside of the of the of the agency, outside of the work, anywhere. Yeah. So he won't get anybody to to click on the link, you know, and to get him the commission. So you have to come up with different different bonuses for those kind of people. Right, right. And all in all, you are going into one huge mess, and you just want to have engaged him. Yeah, I, I don't even think money is the right answer, there, to be honest. No, 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 definitely not. Because. Uh, the best teams that do it, they have fun doing. Like, I, I think that's the key differentiator. Like, they would do it for free. Like, they, they, they want to do it. They want to spend the time doing it. It's like if you, me, and then a few people more were like, all right, let's engage on everyone's posts. Right? Like, like, let's have a group and engage, right? Because um, we want to do it and we would engage anyway. We just want to have a system in place. And when you're commenting, I'm adding my two cents, but not because I'm obligated to do that, but because I wanted to. And, mm -hmm. and that makes the, the whole difference. But so, so creating a system has to be 
like you said, choosing the right people in it is important. I'd say it has to be people that you believe in the long term. Obviously, they can leave and whatever. But if you're really helping somebody grow their brand, it's because you believe that they're going to be working with you for years. Uh, mm -hmm. Let, me, let me give you the, the, the solution to that for, for the end of today's conversation. So there are two things which are here important. First one is to know uh, your vision of your company, your tagline, to know how you are fitting in the tagline, in the story, how people who are coming to the company uh, see you fit in the tagline, how they see themselves fit in the timeline long term. Do they know what's next for them? How are they developing? Uh, and that's all connected to the culture of the company. Yeah. And one other thing is you need to market inside the company. You need to sell your products, your services to the people who are your employees first so they can sell it to the other people outside of the company. For sure. That's how, that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, it's important. It's not easy to do. I, I think you, you appreciate the interview. I'll, I'll send it over after the, after the call. Um, the, that podcast interview, we talked on a few things. He might be a, a good person to follow. But yeah, man, I, I, th I thought that this was a good call. Um, let's, let's, let's put also that link in, uh, on the YouTube when we upload the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do it as well. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about, well, I'm starting a new, a show that I think. Ah, yeah, I saw, I saw it on Twitter. Tell me more. Yeah, it's just something fun that I've been thinking about. Because like I said at the beginning of the call, there's more creative space. Um, I've just been feeling with the need to create something lately, like the last three, four months. Um, at, at one point, I was like, dude, I have not, all I'm doing is like building the business, but not creating anything from, from scratch. Uh, so I've done a few things outside of work in music and stand-up that I think are going to be interesting, but just on a personal level. And then we're putting together this weekly show. Um, we're going to start weekly. We'll see moving forward. Where it's going to be a, like something funnier than the content that I try to put out YouTube. So it's going to be video-based. Uh, the idea is to do like skits of like comedy, um, is to do a recap of news, just having a few different sections, like the worst LinkedIn pitches that I'm getting every single week, like presenting them and making fun of them. Um, there, is, there is one, one ex-colleague of mine, a great copywriter. Uh, he has a LinkedIn page called Demotivation, Demotivation okay. in Serbia. Yeah. When he's actually mimicking all that's happening on LinkedIn and in business, like Gary Vee, all yeah. the other guys, it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, things like that. We just want to like make something fun. Uh, it's not even to like drive clients or like new business or whatever. We, we just want to like put out something that we, that I don't think B2B does often. And like I was saying, the small companies that are uh, proprietorship of the CEO, we have more creative space. And, and like we can do something funnier. And if I say something that a client doesn't like, they leave. They leave. Who gives a fuck? Like, uh, yeah, let's, let's go. We need the entertainment. Yeah, I think it, it, there's a space there. 
I like a lot like the few people that are that are doing funny stuff on on B2B space. Uh, it probably won't be funny for the first six months. Like I'm gonna try to be funny, but it's probably gonna work. Uh, but just, I think the, from a creative standpoint, it, it's gonna be a good experience. And being in front of the camera and all that. So yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll be fun. I'm gonna prepare the the first episode today, record it tomorrow, put it out next week. But I also wanted to say it just out of like public accountability. So like next week it's not out. We can be like, Marty, what the fuck? Where, where's the where's the show? <laughs> so, so yeah, man. It's gonna be interesting. I, I'll, I'll let you know when it's up. Cool, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome, brother. Uh, it was good talking to you. I'll, I'll put this um, on the folder and all that. But um, I'll let me know if you need anything during the week. And I'll, yeah, I'll, let's go. Uh, I'm gonna have uh, a guy doing us an intro, outro, those okay. kind of things. Let's let's see how how it looks like the next week when we upload it. Yeah, 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 that works. Awesome, man. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Cool. Bye-bye. Talk to you. Take care, man.